Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bald Move Prestige. Today, we're talking about the 2011 uh, Vincere Survival um, Wilderness Man vs. Nature movie, The Gray. It's directed by Joe Carnahan, who also has directed Smoke and Aces and the A-Team. This actually reunited the pair of him and um, Liam Neeson. He's also attached to an upcoming American remake of The Raid, which beyond the Mm. scope of this podcast to talk about, but I'm not sure. Yeah, you're making the stink face, too. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, It's based on a novella called Ghost Walker by Ian McKenzie Jeffers, and he and Joe co-wrote the screenplay for this movie together. It stars, as I mentioned, Liam Neeson, who is an official graded badass in our uh, bald move badass list um, for this and many other roles. Also starring Frank Grillo, who played Crossbones in many Marvel Cinematic Universe films. He's led a few Purge films, some of the sequels. Uh, he's in right. Prison Break, a couple seasons of The Shield. Uh, Dermot Mulrooney or Dylan McDermott, I'm not sure which, uh, is in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, doing a very good impression of my good friend Anthony Ladon, who co-wrote uh, Gods of Thrones with me. Okay. When he puts on the glasses and he's got the hat on, it's a fucking dead ringer for like Anthony bundled up. Uh, Dallas Roberts, who you might remember as Poindexter from the governor arc of The Walking Dead. <laughs> Milton, yeah. Yeah. Joe Anderson uh, played one of the vampire derps in Twilight, also a lead in Across the Universe. Ananzo uh, Anazi, who probably is most famous in Bald Move members for Zaro's own Duck Sauce mm-hmm. in Game of Thrones. He played Tank and Rock and Rolla. I hear he's in that new Netflix film uh, or, or series, fantasy series Sweet Tooth, but I haven't seen that yet. And then uh, James Badge Dale, who recently really impressed me as uh, Robert Lackey in the Pacific. I just finished that HBO miniseries last week, and he was one of the best things in it. Uh, very, very brief scene, but it's nice to see him. Jim, uh, I've seen this movie a couple times, a couple, three times back when it first came out, and hmm. I haven't seen it probably for at least five years. What did you think of the film? Have you seen it before, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it before. Um I saw it. Yeah, I definitely didn't see it in the theater. I saw it at home, but I'm trying to remember how far after it came out, how long after it came out. It could have been very long. Um, Movie came out in 2011, 2012 ish. I don't know. Well, it depends Uh, on whether you count the the gala release at a festival or the actual official wide North American release. Yeah, and I remember really liking it. you know what I remember the most about this movie is seeing the trailers and going, oh, yeah, Liam Neeson, uh-huh. that guy from The Taken, right? The guy from Star Wars, right. the guy that like right. he had he had a very specific set of skills as an actor at that time. And he used he put them to a great effect in this movie. <laughs> um, and so I was all over the trailer. I was like, fuck, yeah, I'm going to go see this movie. Um, and I watched the movie and I remember thinking it was really good. And I watched it again two days ago. And now I I'm kind of like wondering what I saw in it other than just like the wolf survival stuff, because I come away from this movie thinking either there was not enough of the wolf stuff and they could have done away with all of the philosophical junk in this movie or they needed to have more of that stuff to make to really flesh the movie out. And there's some like in between state that this movie falls in for me where it doesn't quite get to any of the places it's going. Um, it, it's, it's like battling between like, Oh, I want to see the survivalist side of this versus, Oh, I want a tale about the nature of humanity and it's struggle against the forces of the universe. Right? Like mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't quite get there on either level for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 
it'll be interesting to talk about this because I I like visibly recoiled when you said maybe take away the philo- philosophical crap because I'm like, man, that's what makes this film uh, worth watching. I didn't see this film for like a year until after came back because like I did like Liam Neeson, like almost everybody in the Taken series. And I watched mm-hmm. him at least at least two, I think, by that time, maybe the third one. I start like I felt like his star was starting to tarnish. Like clearly this man will be in anything for for money. And they, you know, he's a working actor, there's nothing wrong with that. But like it didn't used to be like and I saw him like, oh, he's be running, he's a sniper for wolves. I'm like, this just seems stupid. This almost seems direct to video type. Uh and then I, you know, kept on hearing the reputation. I think it might have been like in the early days of Bald Move, people kind of bullied me into watching it. And I was really blown away because um so one of the things like when I was trying to find uh, some kind of philosophical framework to rebuild my life around after I left the cult, um, I fell into this uh, like men's liberation movement, which was kind of a, a companion to uh, women's lib. You know, it's kind of like a yes ending feminism rather than a lot of the no bitch thing that, that goes on in like men's right circles today. It's like kind of like, OK, yeah, OK, there's a lot of toxic stuff around masculinity. Let's unpack that. And like, is is masculinity inherently bad or like, can we keep the parts we admire, like the strength and the stoicism, but also uh, get rid of the emotional constipation and the lack of intimacy? And they called that being an integrated man. All right. So if you, you, you keep the things that are traditionally masculine about yourself, but you also embrace some of the, the openness. And I feel like Liam Neeson's character is a good model for that. Um traditionally masculine role but also you know he's working through grief and he's not afraid um he's not one to bluster and make threats but he's also not one to not use physical violence when necessary and he you know um is there for men in a in a real substantial way his fellow men in dire circumstances mm-hmm. so i like really i was really kind of enchanted with it um the whole kind of like is this is a a little bit of a a big statement on like atheism i think too there's a lot of that which appealed to me at the time as well um so i i liked it and i it's been a while since i've seen it so i forgot some of the twists and turns and i thought it was still emotionally um affecting at the end like i the first time i saw this movie like it took me a minute to get up off the couch like hmm. it's you feel like you've been through an experience when you Cause you have no, like this movie feels like the type of movie that might kill everybody, mm-hmm. but also you're like, Oh my God, is this going to be the grimmest fable of all time? Like what the fuck is going to happen? And, and it, it did. It, it left me like really feeling like I fucking walked my ass 300 miles through Alaska being chased by ravenous wolves. I, I think it still, it, it still holds up. So, uh, and I, it, there's a couple points where I thought it was going to be silly, like, oh, this is a little formal, but like it kept on kind of subverting my my expectations. So I liked it. I, I can't wait to see, like, dig in a little bit more about uh, what you found unsatisfying about uh, the philosophy bullshit. <laughs> oh, I, look, I'm not saying that it's philosophy bullshit. What I'm trying to say is I don't think it leans far enough in either of the directions this movie wants to pull me to really hit me with anything. Um, it either needed to go more action Neeson kind of shit or it needed to go more. I, I just have like such a huge question about what the hell does this poem from his father really mean in context of his life and his experience with his, his wife and all that stuff. It, it, it left me sort of dissatisfied on that front this, this time around. Yeah, I noticed when I was kind of poking around that that poem has kind of taken on a life. Um, it, it, it reminds me of like Tyler Durden quotes from Fight Club where yeah. it's like this poem should not be invoked in any kind of like I am numb. I am a killing death beast. Nothing can like this is not right. like it completely misses the point of this film in the context to be like, you know, I cannot be harmed. I am a tough guy male. I am an alpha um you know i'm First a stool of fight club is be an asshole when you talk about fight club <laughs> right right first rule of fight club is is stab the first wolf in the nuts um <laughs> i so yeah i it, it there's there's a lot of people to miss the point i i agree but on the other hand it's like i'm thinking like what does this movie look like if it leans more into the wolf shit because there's already like some brutal grim shit going on 
And the philo- it's like, I, yeah, I mean, there's mis- I think there's mistakes in this movie. I think the poem is one of them. And then we'll talk about uh, if you guys didn't know. And I found that like uh, on a on an informal survey of my Twitter audience, roughly 70 percent of people who have seen this movie had no idea that it has an after credit scene. Uh, I want to talk about that and what it means, too. Yeah. But before we get spoilery, maybe we can do that thing where, you know, it's been almost 10 years. It's coming up on the 10 year anniversary of this uh, film, and it didn't make a ton of money. I don't think a lot of people have seen this. Maybe we can talk about what it's about real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie, The Gray, is actually referring to the gray wolves that are depicted throughout the the film that's hunting these men. And it stars uh, Liam Neeson as a person who's pay- paid by the petroleum industry to guard their pipeline workers out in the wilderness. He like works overwatch on a hill with a high powered sniper rifle. If wolves or Kodiak bears come to threaten the crew, he takes them down. Uh, We find out through a series of flashbacks and drinking scenes and him scribbling a note that he's got a troubled relationship, perhaps with his wife, his, his life is culminating into a bunch of uh, regrets and he's very close to ending it all committing suicide. Um, but he resolves to live another day, uh, flying back from their outpost in Alaska, returning to the mainland. Uh, they hit some turbulence. The plane goes down. There's very few survivors and they're right in the hunting range of a huge pack of gray wolves in Alaska. Uh, can Liam Neeson get this uh, crew of hard drinking, uh, oil rig guys, uh, dysfunctional dudes whipped up in the shape for a hike out of the wilderness and into civilization. Can he protect them, uh, without his rifle from a pack of wolves? Uh, will he succumb to despair and numbness? You'll have to watch the movie. It's a, it's a hell of a tale. It actually, did you ever read any Jack London growing up like white Fang or no. Call the wild? I, de- I definitely saw white Fang at one point, the movie, but, mm. I don't remember it. This this matter of fact kind of narrate. It reminds me a lot of like a very adult version of Jack London, you know, oh, um, okay. maybe it's just maybe it's just guys fucking around out in the Yukon uh, and like pitiless frostbite type of conditions and shit like that. But um, I I was thinking I it was very I, noir at the beginning, like when he's talking about I'm on the edge of the world where men who have, you know, long since lost their purpose come to, to you know shit themselves to death or something i don't know what he's saying but it's like very noir very like oh cop uh talking about you know the last case he had and how it sapped his will to live that kind of stuff it's very sam spade or you know the watchman like i uh, i was I, sure. I had a wife and a kid and then i saw a baby's head in the microwave and <laughs> like right. what is even civilization humanity yeah um, and it leans into a lot of those type of stereotypes. Like there's a whole th- a bunch of things they do in the first 10 minutes of the film that I thought were going to kind of set the tone. Like they introduced this like brainless, annoying guy. And I'm like, oh, he's going to be the real piece of work. That's really going to be. And this other guy is uh, the, the wimp that's going to be the first to get their, their guts torn out by a wolf. And they subverted most of those expectations. Like the dumb guy is very dumb and stupid, but he's not a bad person. Mm hmm. Um, there's a, there's an aggressive guy who is a bad guy, but it turns out he's just full of fear and, and self doubt the, you know, we're now in the spoiler section. So like, you know, after I explain what the movie's about, if, if it sounds like a good time to you, then you should go see it right now. Um, but like the nerdy guy ends up being the last guy to die besides Neeson. Mm-hmm. If he even does, does die. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I really like that, that there's just I never felt like I knew what was going to happen next. And the first time this movie is just suspenseful as fuck, because, again, it feels like one of those movies where anyone could die. Um, it felt even like um, like like Deep Blue Sea, where it's like it wouldn't even surprise me if Liam Neeson died. And this movie's actually because you got another star like uh, Dermot Mulroney, who is plausibly a lead that like he could you know Liam Neeson god fucking damn it I can't say this guy's name Liam Neeson could die at the two thirds point of this film and it's it's the he's the first stage badass rocket that shoots Dermot to the moon you know yeah like it 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 felt like those things or anything could happen and uh because of that I, I felt like it was gripping throughout it's a little bit less so the second time but I don't know the way that 
his wife's story resolves because like there's a lot of tension about us not knowing about this character, like mm-hmm. what he's all about. The way that resolves and the, his quiet kind of reflection about the men and his, him just preparing to die in the most badass way possible, I it it speaks to something in in the you know chicken soup for the masculine soul or whatever. Hmm. Uh, I suppose so. I suppose How so. I don't know what it's saying yeah. though. What is it saying? That's Just a saying good question. Live, live a life because it might be the only day you have to live, the only day you have to die. I'm I'm like looking at it through the lens of this poem and I don't re- like the only thing I can say is like the poem wants you to live a life regardless of the outcome. Like try or just to never stop struggling. It's the opposite like it's a of metaphor. what Yoda says. Don't don't worry about do or do notting. Just try. Struggle. You must struggle. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I think that's what it is. Because like that, what seemed to be his dad. Like his dad was always striving to be better than what he was. Who was kind of a drunk and a brawler, but he had the sensitive side. Like the just the, the barest crack in his masculine facade that his son could see di- daylight through and be a healthier individual. Um, but like, yeah, never. Like no matter how bad things get, keep living because you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, when you're in, you don't have to, your, your end's going to find you. You don't have to go look for it. Right. Like, you know, whether it's stepping off a sidewalk into a bus or getting stage four cancer, like you're going, you're, you, you don't have to go out running for it. Um, and like, I thought that's, that's the key. Like what, what you think is going through Liam Neeson's mind when he puts the barrel, of the gun in his head and then takes it out and goes back inside like to the end of the movie where he's strapped, getting strapped up for war with these wolves. Um, I think that is the thesis of the movie and like what that is, is hard to articulate. And also I guess the fact that like that struggle doesn't have to turn you into an animal either. Hmm. You can still have tons of compassion. Like Liam, Liam hmm. Neeson wasn't a badass because he didn't feel he's a badass because he could have, like spread all these memories of these men and have tender memories with every one of them as almost a ritual to, mm-hmm. to get ready to die. I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't, I don't know what the actual thing is. It's more of a spirit or yeah. a feeling than, than something I can articulate. I, I guess that's like where I, where it feels a little dissatisfying to me is I can't really articulate why it left me cold or what I, what I actually think about it because I don't have like a solid grip on it. It's just like this kind of moving thing that I'm trying to grab onto as I'm watching the movie. And I guess that, you know, that could be the point of it, certainly. Um, and that can evoke a feeling in you, but it, it treads dangerously close to like a David Lynch style. Don't oh, don't well, think about this thing. That. Just feel it sort of thing, you know. Uh, but there's also so let's unpack some more stuff like uh, the biggest asshole, Frank Grillo. Yeah. Uh, who's been this posturing punk the whole movie gives up Mm -hmm. does the movie treat him as like a pussy no i think no because so it's like it's not that like you have to like always struggle but like because he said like you know i gave it a go i I gave it a shot but like i know in myself that i've hit my limit i can't walk another foot and i'm Mm -hmm. fine with that because like look at this beauty so like i like there's also something about accepting your limits too um there's also very self-reliant like uh, again i said this is kind of like um uh a pain a peen what, what do they call that like a, a a song a litany a psalm uh to atheism oh, yeah. uh because like you know like uh no one's going to help you if, if you're not going to help yourself mm-hmm. um again it's almost like this like collection of aesop fables of like should you try all the time and if you can't try like then what is that cool too um like face your fear, feel the fear, but do it anyway. The fear is not a bad thing. And like how much harm in the world is caused by people putting up a front, like people that are just scared and probably need help and comfort instead, like put up this front and this wall um, and, and confront and try to chase away the fear with, with violence and rage sure. again. Like it's like, yeah, it's like, what's the point of the, the Fox jumping after the grapes and not getting them, you know, it's, it's like sour right. grapes. What the fuck does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things if you think about it and you explain it to a child. I don't know. It's like one of those things like a film that your father could watch with the sons and daughters and kind of like this says something about life. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, you know, over the course of this movie, he goes from a guy who was ready to kill himself, which I have questions about, to the guy who's mm-hmm. willing to survive at all costs, you know? Um, mm-hmm. No matter what it takes, he's going to do it. And th- that that disparity between those two men was a little bit confusing to me because the the way that they portray this, like, this idea that he's going to kill himself is he's he snapped out of that by hearing the wolves i i I don't quite understand why he didn't go through with it in that moment so i think that i'm confused by that yeah we're 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 getting somewhere here because like do you think that liam neeson's character was was trying to survive at all costs or just like fight the good fight Whatever that fight was, and I, I think that like that's it's almost what like I the got. challenge propelled him forward. I or I like the, resp- the, the 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 fact there's still something to live for. For example, like the wolves bang in the distance reminded him that like he is perhaps all that stands between these men and death. He has responsibility to these men. If he offs himself, then you know what right. are they going to do? I don't know Unless- how like killing that wolf earlier in the day did not tell him that. Well, but I mean, I, it, it's like it's like when you're at it was at midnight and you're surrounded by these fucking drunk. Uh, what do they call these guys? It's not leathernecks. It's roughnecks. Yeah. yeah. You're surrounded by these drunk roughnecks or punching each other. And they, they got not a thought between their ears. And you're like, you know, fuck it. it. Turns out my wife's dying of cancer. And this is brutal. Or maybe dead. I think she's dead. I think dead. Yeah. Like like this is all a reaction to her. Like this this new lifestyle. Uh and like, you know, you're out there in the cold and you're about to do it. And then you hear like, it's your purpose. It's almost like your literal purpose calling you. Mm-hmm. Um, he has this calling. And I think it's also telling that like he he didn't give up, but he no longer tried to get away once it was like his he's the last guy. Of course, I guess th- th- that's another thing. Like, I felt like. The realization they're in the den fucked up the flow of the movie, too, because like that's irrelevant to the philosophical that's like an in conflict to the ph- philosophical stuff the fact that like it was one of the bigger you know, like oh shit moments though like I, I feel like they overplayed it too like i wish they would have just let us see the bones and not have mm-hmm. neeson say we're in the den you know yeah, it's like yeah. I, I got that i got that when i saw two human rib cages or four moose carcasses like i understand mm-hmm. yeah i, I feel like that, too much there that moment that line in the movie is from the movie where Liam, they have a 10 minute battle of him with the wolves and he wins. Like it's setting yeah, up yeah. to the climactic battle in the third act. Right. Like right. when he says, oh, shit, I'm in the den. It's 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 time to put on your shit and pants now, boy. Like, but the movie is not about that. So and it had no interest. I, although I guess I, I read in the production details that the director claims he shot a full battle sequence of uh Neeson with the wolves and yeah it was going to come out on the extra material but it never has and people are like did you really shoot several days of because it'd have to be the most expensive part of the film you know like <laughs> Probably, this like yeah. uh, battle with the wolves so like you did you really do that or you just bull was this something you storyboarded and didn't said but I, I don't know because like you said that like this maybe that's what you mean like when you said the movie has to either go further into philo- philosophy so you're like actually articulate the lessons you're supposed to take away from it or yeah, yeah. keep it at the the dumb kind of Michael Crichton Congo level of just action movie where in that movie Liam maybe gets away from the wolves or survives or something because right, it's, right. It's, I felt the, the pull of somebody both, out. both of those things but the, I, I and you know maybe this is me just not being sort of attenuated to what this movie is putting out um, as far as like the the philosophy of the film um, because look, I, I'm I'm about as far removed from nature intentionally as possible. Uh, <laughs> I, I have zero interest in ever being outside, let alone being stranded in the wilderness in the Arctic. Uh, right. But yeah, I I did not. I just didn't really pick up what the movie was putting down in that regard. I was more interested in the stuff where he's fighting the wolves and trying to survive mm. in a harsh environment, right against all odds. But then there was the philosophy stuff that you can't just ignore because it's a big part of the movie. But right. also, I wasn't like picking up what it was putting down. So it was just sort of mm. getting in the way. And and I wish I I wish I was like, I think there's something in this movie that. The people who do get it 
will really appreciate, but I just wasn't picking it up. Yeah, that's the other thing is like when he's down on his knees about to shoot himself in the head, he was thinking about his dad's poem and it's like last one sworn to the fray into the last good fight I'll ever know. And maybe it's like. This isn't a fight. This is like explicit surrender. And I, that's the other thing is like maybe they're trying to explore that there's multiple ways to be uh, a guy, even a masculine guy like this, uh, you know, um, this Frank Grillo guy. Uh maybe gets integrated by the end, accepts his limitations and like sets, you know, find, you know, drops his walls, finds real camaraderie, cares for the guys deeply affected by their death. Like maybe they're trying to say that, like, there's not one better than the other. Like if Liam Neeson wanted to give up, then that would be a fine thing to do, or at least an, at least an understandable or something. You wouldn't be like, oh, Liam Neeson killed himself after the death of his wife. What a fucking pussy. I also think that's the other thing is like when I watch this thing, I remember thinking like, God damn, what must it be like as an actor for like Liam Neeson who has lost his wife and over and over again, you're asked to like, Hey, remember when your wife died? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you dig deep and find that? Like, cause like love actually is like that. The gray and like the director specifically in the interview said, I said to Liam, I want you to channel the grief of your, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Right. But like, I think it adds a lot of poignancy to those scenes. Um, Knowing that this guy, it's like the same thing if you're, I guess, if you're watching a war film and you know, uh, you know, like, uh, and this never happens, like, you never see a war film and it's like, that's actually the Medal of Honor winner. The fucking stormed those three machine gun nests and took a grenade to the leg. Like, fucking shit. He's really, but he does right. know this particular battlefield. And I think that's adds an, a, a hell, hell of a lot of oomph to the film that it wouldn't otherwise have. It does. And Liam Neeson is easily the best part of this movie. I mean, he's fantastic. Uh, he's a great actor. I mean, I don't think I need to tell anybody that, but he brings everything like a good chunk of what you need to know about this character just comes from his performance and the way he acts uh, around people and in different situations, especially like, you know, the, the scene where the guy is dying on the, on the, in the plane after it crashes and he's just like kind of coaching him through the end of his life is, is really like, you know, there's a, there's a stoicism, certainly, to Liam Neeson, but also there's, like, caring behind the eyes, right? There's, like, uh, some sensitivity there, too, that comes oh, yeah. through in his performance, not just, like, what's happening on the screen, but what he's putting out there. And I, yeah, I, I really appreciate him in this movie. Uh, he's, he's probably the best part of it. What is you? I mean, I think the cast is uniformly excellent. It is very um, good, yeah. Even the guy who's the massive asshole that you kind of want to die. Mm-hmm. halfway through the film is like really, really good at playing that. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of that scene? Cause that's one where I'm like, if I'm dying, I don't mind a few fictions like, Hey man, the medics are almost here. Just relax. It's going to be fine. You're going to, you're fine. Safe. Yeah, Nothing's yeah. going to happen to like, I don't know if I need this hulking Irishman. You're dying. That's what's, that's what's up, mate. Yep. You just, uh, just just hold the Grim Reaper's hand. Your daughter's here to walk you through it. Like, what the fuck? Let That's go intense. Of your I mean, let, it's very, you're right. It's like, vowels. he's very calming and like, he grip, he pay, That's the other thing about this. I kept on emphasizing our badass debates. Liam Neeson's hands. Yeah. Like when he's holding this guy's head, his hands are as big as his whole skull, but uh-huh. he's like cradling the guy's head and kind of come, but like not giving him cold comfort literally just being like this sucks but it's almost over and it's going to be easier than you think and i've seen it happen before and Mm -hmm. here's it gonna like um i feel like in the medical industry they do that more like the last few times i've lost um someone who's been planned like the doctors and the palliative care team kind of like you know sit to family and be like this is what you're going to see this is what usually happens this is what could happens and if you see them struggling like this they're like under so much morphine it's not going to happen and you might see that like, here's how because de- like it is scary, like everyone, sure. everyone is going to die. Right. But what yeah. the hell does it look like? Um, even in a hot, like predictable hospital situation. Um, but I, I don't know about the actual technique. It's more works because he is fully authentic and like mm-hmm. very commanding. But like, actually, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what a therapist or a psychologist would say about this kind of bedside manner. Right. Uh, I don't know. I really like the scene. Um, 
there's a lot of good uh, conflict between, you know, the alpha of Liam Neeson and the guy who thinks he's the alpha, who's probably just the beta. Uh, yeah. Frank Grillo's character. I, I, I really liked. I don't know. It, it felt like simultaneously like it was boiling through a good chunk of the movie, but but never like super overtly. He was just being a dick to everyone. But then it comes yeah. to a head like almost immediately. Right. Like this thing blows up. They're sitting around the fire, having gone to the, the tree line. And he just like says, you know, uh, f- fuck you, essentially, and tries to prove that he's the alpha, gets all up in Liam Neeson's face and they go at it, you know. And then that thread is like immediately put down in the same scene where you know, we start to learn more about like how wolves operate, right, with alphas comes out of the it's woods and stares little... at them. It's 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 very yeah. obvious what they're doing here. Um, right. But like I he... think it still works. I, I liked it. I do. It was like on the border like now because like the first again none of this i thought the first time through but now i've right. seen it a bunch of times and i was like i'm watching this with my podcaster eyes and i'm like that's really hand in glove when liam Neeson mm-hmm. hear this like and liam helpfully is like oh that was a challenge to the alpha oh he just put it down and then yeah. literally frank grillo stands up <laughs> i've had enough of this alpha beta bullshit i think you're just a stupid fucking wolf guy and you leave these and like hands him his ass and it's like yeah. okay yeah this is how this works it happens a lot in this film like mm-hmm. i think you're supposed to draw the connection between liam neeson comforting the wolf in its death like in the first scene yeah where he like puts his hand and waits for him to die and then when he's like trying to take robert lecky to the other side and he's got his hand on his chest cradle his head waiting for his like last breath there's mm-hmm. a lot of this kind of like not exactly foreshadowing, but thematic reinforcement. And sometimes I feel like it got a little that they needed a, maybe a, a scene in between just so you don't it doesn't feel a little bit too on the nose. But again, it, it feels it feels very effective, especially the first time you're watching it. Yeah, sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The other thing I really liked um, and, and from a, like a thematic or a visual storytelling is I like the way and I, I, this feels very Inception. I think this movie came first, right? Um, but the way they have dream sequences like blending into reality, like, uh, you know, Liam would drift off to sleep during the flight and he hit like he's he's laying on this like white bedspread with his wife and then the turbulence like literally knocks him out of the bed and mm-hmm. into the reality and then there was another one when poindexter is no no it's not poindexter it's uh uh mil rooney um he falls out of a tree and he's <laughs> yeah he's uh this fucked up he's like hallucinating his daughter coming to say you know kiss him on the face and her fair hair's falling on his face but then you zoom out, like crash zoom out, and it's like it's wolves just tearing into his body as he's dying. Yeah. Um, but I kept on, I kept on thinking that that was really effective. Um, like you've got this like serene kind of visuals and stuff, and it just then turns into like a jarring reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah, that did work well. Um, th- there are two moments that were just like gut check kind of things. One was yeah, the wolves tearing uh, Mulroney apart. <laughs> after the story about his child's hair, I, I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't like anything about what's happening here. That is mm-hmm. dark and, and beautiful at the same time. And it just, fuck, I don't like it. Uh, and then the, the den moment when they re- he realizes, Oh shit, I had to pick a direction, right? Like, and, and how am I going to know where their den is? I can't. So I'm just going to pick a direction and go. And then it happens to be that, he took them right into the fucking mouth of the wolf, right? Like yeah. literally. I think the idea of heading south is sound because, like in general, the further you go towards the south, the more populated sure. Canada and Alaska gets. But yeah, he was like, they're three, they're yeah, r- right at the edge of the wolf's hunting radius, and they're walking straight to the middle, right? Which and when you realize that they've been going 
tech like technically the right way, but definitely the wrong way the whole time. It's just like fuck. Yeah, and that's where it's like I I feel like some of the message of the movie gets muddled when because it's it's a little bit more nihilist than I think it means to be. Like without the realization that he's been walking the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh like you can make the argument that 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 this whole movie is a mistake. They should have stayed in the plane and maybe froze to death, but they would have been sure, you know, they would have had protection from the wolves and Mm -hmm. you know, they would have died rested. I guess they wouldn't have died exhausted, like walked off their feet. Well, Um, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's the same thing. They, they tell you when you get lost in the woods, right? Is like, Look, don't don't go just wandering off in a fucking direction because you could be wandering away from the people who might have known where you were like stay in your last known location. Right. Or close to it. Yeah, I thought that they didn't set up the survival situation because you're right. Like, well, he's like, oh, they'll never you know, there's like these dueling narratives of like, well, the company doesn't care because they if we all die, they save a bunch of money. Um, And also they just don't care because there's this a huge space and, but like, I don't know, we got a flight plan and surely mm-hmm. these guys called Mayday a time or two and we're probably saying what air, like, I just feel like it was definitely the right thing to stay with the plane. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a transfer, but like, I don't know that the movie, like I, I think the movie wants you just to believe or needs you to believe that like, there's no transponders. None of that happens. These guys are just all alone, but like, yeah, I just I just felt like the, the the actually what you were doing is walking ever more into danger. And like, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's I, I don't know. Sometimes that happens in life. Right. But what again, it, it muddles the the journey of the film, which is like always take your, you know, always try, always keep struggling until you can't. Right. Yeah, um, I guess that's the moral of the story. That's that's certainly what I was like thinking when I came away from it, it was like, OK, maybe this poem means that and I guess it does. Also, like uh, the importance of keeping your humanity, because like the only thing that like Liam Neeson really rode hard on is that guy. What grave robbing, you'd call it. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's given a lip. And he's like, I'm going to start beating the shit out of you in five seconds and you'll swallow a lot of blood over a billfold, which um, <laughs> again, it's like it's not a bolt. It's not a boat. It's just as him saying, like, this is what's going to happen if you keep fucking disrespecting these men's corpses. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't also um, why do you why was he hell bent on collecting everyone's wallet it wasn't just to make a cross in the ground before when he died in some kind of badass display no I think he wanted to like get out of this situation and take them back to people and say hey these are you know the people who were lost here it, I, I don't know um, it seems like they have a manifest right it, they, like they the co- companies keeping records you know I would think so yeah so I I don't know. I the movie wants you to think that that's significant, and it is emotionally like keeping those people with you, right? Is is like a thing, you know, symbolically and emotionally. But it's yeah, like really, it would not be a thing because they know who's on that plane. It made it made sense if they he was doing it with all the guys that survived, and like you know, I want to remember these guys, and that's kind of what they do in the end anyway. Like he goes through all the wallets of the essentially six or seven guys that made it off the plane. So like, yeah, because I, I was kind of like on Grillo's side when he's like, "We're wasting time here." It's like, yeah, what? I don't, I I don't I don't get the whole wallet thing, you know. Um, yeah, but um, I, I like but most of the survival the, stuff, but there are also scenes where these people are clearly <laughs> like not paying attention to the movie because or don't know mm. what movie they signed up for. It's it, and granted, I know these are characters, but like they are being actively hunted by packs of wolves. They know this because several of their, you know, uh, plane buddies have been killed already by wolves and when they hear something out in the woods they're like what's that or when they see a figure behind them looming they're like what's that what do you mean what's that are you paying attention to to the fate of (laughs) the last three crewmen that died (laughs) i think it's more of like um because like it's a thing if you ever go camping in a wilderness and you hear like a coyote howl Mm-hmm. It kind of sends a little shiver down your spine. 
Even oh, though I, I know, yeah. like, and, and, like, the only reason I don't completely lose my shit is that, like, I know that there is realistically nothing in the places I camp that would, like, even a pack of coyotes wouldn't fuck with me. Um, cause they're like little boys, you know, they're like 30 pound dogs, you know, they're like, just fucking start kicking and stomping and they'll go away. Mm-hmm. But like a fucking wolf pack, like I'm thinking about what it'd be like to be in the Yukon and like the light, their fires and you hear that howl in the middle of the night and it's close. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. So like, I think it's like when, when I, when I think it's like when they're saying, what's that? It's not like, oh my God, what's chasing us this whole movie. It's more of like, is that a chipmunk? Is that a horseshoe hare? Is that a deer or caribou? Is it a, like, you know, cause like a lot of things make noise in the woods. There's all fucking, the woods are fucking loud, man. Especially like in the summer, it's busy in the winter. It's just, just everything you can hear so easy, but. Yeah, it was it was really like the part I can I can remember it because like one of the guys goes, what's that when they're out in the middle of the tundra and they're oh. headed for the tree line and one of their dudes just got picked off the back of the line, the back of the train yeah. here <laughs> by a pack of wolves and then they see some stuff in the distance. And they're okay. like, what's that? OK, like you're pointing right. to figures. I'm like, are you fucking insane? What do you mean? What is that? Those are the wolves that are what? eating you one by one. A Yeti. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> right. OK, I, you, you got you got. You got in it. the in the woods, I get it more because yeah, like sounds. You you hear twigs snap, right? You'd be like, "What's that?" Um, there's also the other thing I thought is at odds with the message of this movie, where like Liam Neeson at the plane wreck doesn't seem like he really knows what he's doing. There's a scene where he's like, hmm. "We should walk through the woods," and they're like, "Fuck, why?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "We'll be better protected, or less exposed, or <laughs> I don't know." Fuck it, I'm going. If anybody wants to go, follow me. That's yeah. I. Like I that 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 line there and him walking into the den, I don't know, because it seems like it is at odds with with the thing in the movie. Like why? If he doesn't know why, then he is he trying to take it on himself to lead these guys into a particular direction. Um, It's like, yeah, kind of as hunt, a hunch or a gut. But I, I, it's it's weird because everything else is very meticulous and he's got real good wolf based reasons, although there's a big asterisk because. Since this movie's come out, I think there's been a lot of like reexamination about all this alpha wolf crap. And like most people, I think, say that it's not. But then the same types of people that go around saying, well, actually, this alpha business is a bunch of bullshit. It was always overrated. Like they're going gaga over this chronicle of this one particular black wolf from Yellowstone. There's like someone wrote like an heavily anthropomorphized account of this real life wolf's rule over this big wolf pack in Yellowstone. And everybody's talking about, oh, Mm -hmm. what an alpha. What? I'm like. But I I thought in the last five years we said that alpha wolves are kind of bullshit. Like the strongest wolves tend to do the most hunting and make sure. But like it's not like they just lord it over the pack. It's like they got lots of responsibilities. Like it's their job to make sure everyone's fed and their job to protect people. And, you know, it's it's not like one guy calling all the shots and all the other. It, it's, but but I don't know, because this this movie leans heavily into, you know, oh, they sent the Omega Wolf. They sent the bitch, bitch soy boy wolf out to to take you on Grillo because they don't respect you as a man. Like, right? I don't know. I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah, I also read, you know, that it's not super accurate, even with the stuff that, you know, we do understand about alpha and pack dynamics, because like alphas okay. basically wouldn't attack him at the end like mm. there, there seems to be some personal vendetta that the alpha has against Liam Neeson in this movie that makes it behave not like an alpha wolf and more just you like know, the Frank Grillo asshole character yeah I as I was watching like again with my podcast brain on I was thinking like this is almost Peter Benchley levels of irresponsibility versus the as, as far as like whipping up a, a species hatred you know, like Who he wrote Jaws. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. The guy that wrote Jaws. And he's since gotcha. like apologized because he's like, you know what? Like, this has yeah, actually yeah. done nothing but harm sharks and it sucks because like there's not that big of a chance. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I think this movie would be that. Like, it would it'd be a lot of people outraged. But I just think that most humans we push, we fucking won the wolf war, man. We pushed them into essentially the places we don't live. Like, the only time we're going to sure. run into them is we're going to run a goddamn pipeline from the middle of nowhere to a seaport in Alaska. Like, yeah. We're just the average family is not going to see a fucking gray wolf on the ranch to like murder for no good reason. Whereas mm-hmm. sharks, you know, people like there's a whole hysteria about hunting them. There's uh, but, but anyway, like I, I read that there was a lot of like animal rights activists that were really outraged about like, well, this mo- this 
this is stoking up a bunch of hatred and violence against an endangered species is not protected by many endangered species lists. And, you know, you used four wolf carcasses as props and blah. And I think that would have actually taken off except for, again, just wolves don't live where we live. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You might be right. Yeah. They're either got radio collars on in Yellowstone or they're living way up in the fuck you Yukon uh, where with, with Jesse Pinkman and they're not not spending any time around people. And they really make the alpha wolf look intimidating and, and almost like artificially. So I, I don't know what an alpha wolf typically looks like, but this wolf looks like almost like it's covered in oil or something. The first time yeah. you see it, right? It's it's it, yeah, just this inky black figure, even when it's in the light. And I, yeah, and I was huge. surprised by that. It's the size of one of the stark gray wolves. It's like it looks like big enough to ride. I know they use like force perspective <laughs> on it and stuff, but yeah, it yeah. looks like it stands shoulder to shoulder with Grillo. Yeah. And I know wolves um, are big, but they're not that big, right? Like they're not yeah, six feet tall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wolves do get like those. those wolves do get big, but like, yeah, they they, do. this was exactly what's felt again, a very much like Jaws, you know, an exact like t- take a kernel of the truth and just make it bigger and more sensationalized. And, um, I thought that um, I really liked also how you got they, they gave this idea of like the humans being the the, the prey animal animals mm-hmm. like panicky prey animals like the wolves would come at them. They, the the humans would start running naturally. The slower, less fit would go to the back and they were the ones that were picked off. And it's like I yeah. thought that was cool because you don't usually see a realistic depiction of humans being hunted. You got stuff like Predator where you've got like some big fucking alien. Um, and you got things like that, but like, you know, being hunted, um, there's not a lot of, a lot of movies that tap into that kind of primal fear. We haven't personally faced it for like generations. Most of us that like, you know, being hunted by a tiger or like a pack of wolves and there's more wolves than you and you got not enough food and bullets and it's, it's a bad deal. Um, yeah, we were talking about this movie just a little bit in like broad terms a while ago. And I told you that like I I didn't like it as much as I did the first time, but it's probably because mm-hmm. I've seen things like Revenant since then, which I yeah. I think Revenant is awesome. Um and it, it does this sense of like you know, survival and fleeing for your life in such a more visceral way than this movie. This this movie didn't feel mm-hmm. it I don't know, this movie is halfway between like something you'd put up as like a popcorn action flick. This is, this is the thing that's tearing me is like, it's, it's somewhere in the middle between like a revenant and a fucking fast and furious movie. Right. It's like, it it wants to be this like actiony kind of like thriller sort of thing. But then it also wants to have like this heart and this like intense philosophy discussion about nature and humanity and, all that and, and somewhere in the way it gets lost for me it just like doesn't yeah, satisfy I, I, either of those urges i wonder if um because some of the stuff they did with the wonky wolf stuff like positing like wolves are like someone just in the middle of, like i don't even know who it's like wolves are the only animal that seek revenge and like <laughs> you kind of like who said that was that in the script like because they, they're just kind of like inserted in there because like it's they're juicing up like mm. yeah like you have this battle between right. the alpha wolf and the alpha man and you know they got their sigmas and omegas and betas and all that shit and everybody but but that gets in the way of like the philosophy and i don't know like you also could get rid of but but i, I think that the action stuff because I like one of the things I want to ask you is like, what is leaning more into the wolf action look like? Because it's got plenty of wolf action. I just think that they sensationalized it a little bit, not in the actual like men getting torn apart, screaming kind of way, but just to like, Oh, this is personal for the wolves Mm -hmm. when really, I mean, I guess that's the one kind of saving grace of realizing that you're walking into the den because it reframes the wolves as like the victims and the humans as the accidental aggressors, like the wolves, like Jesus fucking Christ. We keep coming at these guys and they keep they keep coming at us, you know, like we're trying to like, you know, get them away from our home and they're coming right at our cubs. They got these fucking bang sticks and shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck. What are we going to do? But that again, it's like that's a story you could tell, but that's not the story you're telling and throwing it in at the end kind of like fucks it up. I thought it would be scary if the wolves were just like animals. They're not doing this because they want revenge. What the fuck revenge right. are they wanting for? You tore apart one of their Omega, one of their 
one of their yeah, uh, one of the sacrificial shit tier wolves. Yeah, yeah. They sent that at you, like <laughs> testing you to see if you could do it. Uh, so no, what's what's scary about animals? It's like is that they're just they're animals. You can't reason right. with them. You can't like say, hey man, come on. You got cubs. I got kids. Come on. You can't. They don't give a fuck. And stripped uh, of all they, the things that make us a formidable threat as humans, like our ability to use tools, right? Um, right. And in our big ass brains, that's where we become like defenseless in the, in the face of these things. And that's what they do, yeah. right? The, there's a very conspicuous shot where he finds his sniper rifle and mm. he picks it up and it's just busted in half. So right. they, they, they tell you, hey, you're not going to get any you're going to you're going to survive this if you survive it based on your big ass brain, not your ability to use thousands of years of historic uh, tool making. Yeah. Yeah. Although I did think there was a lot, a lot more they could have done with spears. Oh, like, sure, I, yeah. would, they still had five or the six guys left and they're making the cool. But that's a that's good. But like, honestly, yeah. a 12 foot five or six guys with 12, 12 foot sharpened sticks. I don't know what a wolf pack does to that. Like, yeah they would have to make a very determined and uncharacteristically wolf pack. Like, cause they don't usually come at you like a fucking wave. It's usually like one or two to try to trip you, knock you down. Then they go for the throat and all that stuff. I guess that's what but I'm you kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of turtle up and every guy's back to back and you got a stick and like one of the lone wolves come in, you just give him a fucking step. Like, you right. know, you know, it's essentially as soon as us monkeys picked up sticks, it was all over for the rest of these goddamn animals. Like, it, that's it. That's what that's I mean. It. Like, I the wanted more in of the that. Thumb, we got them. <laughs> that MacGyver yeah. shit, right? Like, I wanted more of the survival stuff if it wanted to lean that direction. And it only leans halfway there, so it wasn't super satisfying. But, like, it, they're just, they also depict these humans as, like, not very well organized, which I think is fine. You know, it's right. it's a group of, of people yeah. on the edge of the world who all fucking hate humanity and they're outcasts. So, of course, they're not very, like, well behaved as a pack here. But they, they there were several times where they left a straggler behind and that straggler got mm-hmm. eaten. Uh, they, they, they don't do the thing where, like, hey, if you guys have, like, an injured member of the pack, like a fucking gazelle, right? A gazelles do mm-hmm. this. Uh, fucking all, all animals that know how to survive do this. They will surround their wounded with their healthy, and they don't do that in this movie, right? The humans aren't smart mm. enough to do that. And I don't know if it's trying to say something about like humans are so far removed from nature at this point that they've lost all the skills that would help them normally survive in a situation like this, or if that's just like the movie what? didn't. The movie is trying to say these this particular group of people is not very organized. Yeah. I don't. I don't know, man. It was a little confusing to me. And that's where like the kind of like survivalist in me was kind of nitpicking because like, okay, make it to the tree line. You got an unlimited source of uh, trees now, pine trees loaded with the uh, tar and flammable shit. Yeah, yeah. Just keep a big fucking fire going. Mm-hmm. Build, build, you know, like, le- like they had fire the North's ever seen and let the planes yeah, start, start it, a right? big fucking bonfire, get a bunch of sharp sticks. But like, I think that the movie wants the men to be vulnerable. They want them to be panicky prey animals because they want to put the pressure and they want to show like the different ways that men break and the yeah, different yeah. types of men and how they break. Mm-hmm. What's that's fine. But but you're right. I had to turn off a couple par- uh, parts of my brain to to fully enjoy it. And there's like a couple other stuff like the cliff jumping shit. I wasn't so sure about like, I felt like that was kind of wildly oh. implausible. Just throwing Poindexter off a cliff and hoping he grabs a tree and yeah. And the, the way know, they shoot it, it seems so far away. It does. Like I'm crazy. not sure an Olympic gymnast could jump that far if they were like a long jumper. Right. And then like, do I believe that Grillo can grab onto that sheet and hold on to it as it's fall? I, there's a couple of things I thought went a little too Bear Grylls survival where he's like, you know, I'm I'm thirsty. I must drink my piss or like, oh, I'm on top of this 300 foot waterfall. Uh, there's no there's no way down. I'm going to have to jump off of it. Like, that's just insane. You wouldn't do that in a survival situation. You would like right. start walking parallel to the cliff looking for a switchback or something some way down. You wouldn't just be like, oh, we got to this cliff. There's the river. We need to get there. You know what? Let's fucking jump over to the trees I, that, yeah that but Gr- Bear Grylls little... doesn't have like the wolves telling him to drink his piss right like you That's either true. drink your piss or face the wolves I'm probably gonna drink right. my piss 
uh and but you got your back to to like you got your your you, 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 the cliff that's a defensible point you know the wolves can't skip behind you that's half their game it's true you got you got you got it's five true. guys with sharp sticks you can hold that fucking ridge line <laughs> off but you know that's what i'm saying like yo yeah get you're still inside the plane you're in the tree line cut down some trees set that shit on fire get a smoky fire going a signal fire going yeah I, yeah yeah, but I don't know. I, I guess that's where I can see your point about like the movie needs to either go a little bit more gonzo mm-hmm. and be a action flick or it needs to like be a little bit more believable because you I guess that takes away from the philosophy. It it doesn't for me, but I can see I, I guess maybe not. Um but yeah, again, I wasn't picking up what it was putting down in the philosophy department either. Uh I, I really do like the plane crash sequence. It's one of the more visceral ones I've seen. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I, I don't know. It was, it was cool, right? Cause he's doing all the smart things. It, I don't I don't know. Maybe this is, I'm about to go negative here again, but like uh-huh. they show him being so smart with this plane crash, buckling himself in three times with all of the seatbelts in his row and, and these other guys being doofuses, right? Just kind of like, bashing their heads on the ceilings, getting hit by flying luggage. So he's clearly right. like super smart in that regard and a survivalist and knows his shit. Then when he gets uh-huh. on the ground, he's not quite as smart, but like that plane crash is really visceral. And I kept thinking like, man, what if they just, has there ever been a movie that has shown a plane crash sequence where the survivor of it didn't lose time? Didn't like mm. crash and black out and then wake up somewhere else or or in the in the rubble has has, have they ever followed like a survivor that stayed conscious during that whole thing because that could be interesting yeah like certainly not castaway i mean he i I, that does that count because he like survives a crash gets to he doesn't like pass out until he gets to like a place of safety and then he wakes up on the beach but he's yeah, like fully so. conscious as that thing goes down yeah he starts to go down the ship he has to get free of it you know Uh uh-huh but he does. They do have the passage of time where he like falls asleep on the boat and then wakes up in the. Uh, no, you're you're probably right. Reef. That might be one. That but one is also lot. very visceral. Yeah, yeah. And if, I wonder if that's like how it also would feel too. Like it's so violent and it's so fast mm-hmm. and so loud that you're just getting these fragmentary experiences. For know? sure. Yeah. I feel like the plane might have broken half because like there's this daylight, you know, and he's like upside down, uh-huh. like hanging out, his head's <laughs> hanging out the side of the thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's a good thing. It was triple belted. He might have, he might have been dead. Also a sure. pro tip. If you think you're going to go down an airliner, uh, be kind of a boorish asshole to the person sitting with you, drive them off so you can have the, the, the three seats to buckle into. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Just cut some beefy farts and wait for the stewardess to, to move them or steward to move them. And then, then you got the three buckle safety. Mm-hmm. Um, at least if it's not a full, you know, full flight, that's not going to work. But I want to talk about the post credit scene. <laughs> okay. Because and I also. was, I was well into my research when I came across someone mentioning, I think it was like, yeah, it's one of the last things I do is read the Re- Ebert review. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned about like, stay through the credits because there's a final scene. And I'm like, what the fuck? There's a, fi- I've seen be? this movie like three or four times. What is it? What are they going to set up the, the expanded wolf cinematic universe? The I, <laughs> yeah, I don't Sam know, Jackson the, comes in. The <laughs> NCU, the Neeson cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so some uh, a Russian wolf comes and steals his daughter. I, I, but there's an after credit scene like all the way, all the way past a movie. It's like maybe five or six seconds long. And it's the alpha like, OK, so so go go watch it because this might be a spoiler for it because, again, no one knows about this, apparently. Um, but there's a le- brief scene of the alpha taking labored breaths. And then as it pans over its body very close, all you can see is like the ridge of its back. You see Liam Neeson's sweaty, bloody head up against it. And you don't know if just it's the top actually of just the top of his head you can see his hair and it's moving but you don't know if because like they also in the earlier in the film introduced the idea of that uh i think it's an inuit woman he thought it was someone alive because she was moving around but it was just a dead body that's getting his ripped its guts ripped out by by the wolf um like i i i, I don't I hate this scene. I fucking hate this scene. I wish I didn't i wish I could man in black my flashy thing myself so I could forget about it because 
it I think does a lot of damage to the end of the film, which I think is otherwise superb. Do you think it does damage? Because I don't think it does anything. I, I think it like half answers the question you have, but in but doing do so, it doesn't answer anything. Answer? The end of the film is him charging once more into that last good fight. I don't need to see mm-hmm. the partial results after round three, you know? No, but the, the, right. The encouraging or the, the, the thing they're encouraging you to do is say, which one of these do you think won? And I know that's not like the philosophical point. The point of it is, yes, he's, he's living, dying on this day, whatever. Uh, but like everybody who comes out of this movie is going to have the question, like, did he beat this wolf? And the, movie doesn't really answer that question because you don't know if Liam Neeson is alive. You only know that the wolf is probably dead and, and probably mortally because wounded, yeah. it's not attacking him. It's breathing, but it's like, you know, if, if the wolf would continue to attack, if it could, so it's dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it and sounds like, very ragged. Like it's lungs are filling uh, with fluid kind of breathing. Yeah. But we don't know this fate of Liam Neeson. So why? Like, it doesn't answer the bigger question that I have. Because I'm not, like, questioning, like, oh, is the wolf going to survive this? I'm questioning, is Liam Neeson going to survive this? Well, that's the thing. Is like, that, that's the thing is, I question. I know maybe you did. But I walked out of this movie experience like, once I got myself off the couch. I did ne- I never wondered if Liam Neeson died or not. No, I, I think he's dead. He did. Yeah. Yeah. And now this movie kind of, like. And I don't even think he kills the alpha. I think he just like, you know, he might get a couple sticks in and I, but it's, 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 it's again, yeah. the movie's about how you face death, not if you survive or not. Mm-hmm. And the end of the movie kind of pulls it back into like, this is uh you know, like people had strong feelings either way. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I didn't have that question. I didn't want to answer it. It's a shitty answer to it. Uh, what, what, yeah. What, what, what was the point? Like, is that the cherry on top of the Sunday? Because it didn't feel like it. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I don't, I don't like the scene either. I, I didn't know it existed until this morning. Um, when you said, Hey, did you know this thing has a post credit sequence? I'm like, what? Right. Yeah. Sometimes you Why don't like it? when Charleston Heston, like hits the knees on the beach and says, you blew it up. You maniacs. I don't need a post credit mm-hmm. scene where he turns to the camera and it's like, and by that, I mean my, my, by my contemporary man. You know, like it's like, yeah, we get it, man. Yeah, we, we get it. And it's, it's just such a great scene um, of him, like just eyeing down the wolves as they're coming in. And he's got the uh, airline bottle like this is almost um, I think they, they parried the, this uh, ahead of time in part uh, hot shots part do where he's dipping his hands in like the caramel <laughs> and the gummy right. bears and the sprinklers. But like he's got. Yeah, these airline bottles of booze between each finger. He's he's got a knife in his other hand. He's duct taping him to his hand so he can't drop him, which fucking brilliant. Yeah, uh-huh. if you want to go if you just want to go out maximum damage to the wolves, that do that. Do that. Um yeah, that was it was cool. cool cuz again it's like I thought it was like um some kind of bravery in the face of death. Like you're not mm-hmm. going to go quietly into that night, you know. Um, I feel like they wanted the rights to that poem and it was denied for some reason. So they're just like, well, let's essentially do the Muzak version of that. Yeah. Uh, but I, like I said, I don't know. It, I felt like it felt right from an emotional tonal perspective. And I forgive mm-hmm. a lot of its other flaws just because it is so satisfying. And I don't know if you don't, if you don't identify with this particular philosophy or if it doesn't speak to you, then maybe that's the reason only made like $80 million. Cause it, that's the other thing I found when I found out how much it made, I was shocked. Um, I thought this was a bigger hit of a movie. Yeah. I mean, it made a good amount more than its budget. It was, it wasn't like a flop or anything, but right. Yeah. 2011, 80 million worldwide box office. Eh, that's okay. Maybe it's just the worldwide stuff because you're, you know, it's a very talky film. And I hear that's one of the reasons like the big sci-fi blockbuster type stuff works so well is because like mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the dialogue in a Marvel film in a very real way doesn't matter. And it's just a big yeah. action scenes doing the heavy lifting and like the broad emoting and all that. So like I, I but whereas this, I guess, yeah, like this is very, very talky in between the exciting wolf action parts. All right. Well, what else we got to say about the gray? Nothing. Uh, yeah. I like I said I, I love it. I think Liam Neeson's a big badass. One of my favorite films of his. 
and I'm glad I got to see it again. Hmm. Um, getting real close to its 10th anniversary in January. It will, it'll, it'll kick over t- 10 years. So yeah, uh, we'll, I, we'll I didn't create hate an anniversary it. party for it. I know. I know. I talked a lot of negativity about it, but like, I didn't hate it. I just didn't, it didn't quite get there for me. Um, but hmm. overall, yeah, you're, if you watch this movie, you'll probably like it at least the first time. So let me, so, okay, this, I'm not sure we might cut all this out, but like, what do you think changed? Cause you really liked it the first time you saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it's just like literally seeing the, the visceral experience of seeing Revenant is just like, you can remember like that bear tear. It's like essentially a super <laughs> yeah. wolf tearing into um, Liam Neeson. And plus there was like, not Liam Neeson, Leonardo DiCaprio. Like what, what, yeah. what is it that like, Change in the last ten years was it you or is it cinema? Uh, it's probably a little of both. Um, and also like you know seeing something the second time when you kind of remember mm. a lot of the beats, it, mm-hmm. it's just not going to hit you as hard, right? Um, it can it can rekindle like what you loved about a thing, but if what I loved about a thing was like halfway to the finish line, then like I might not notice the first time, but the second time I'm definitely like looking at it and saying, okay. It's probably just a podcaster mentality of like holding this thing up, examining it, yeah, you know, trying to like gauge my own feelings about it in real time as I'm watching it, and like that yeah, yeah. can get in the way of a lot of stuff. Just like enjoying it, so yeah. And Revenant, Revenant, that. I think the thing that works about it is like it's because the antagonist and protagonist are both people, uh-huh. and like it's a clear, much clearer cut of just revenge. Like this oh, yeah. is a despicable person. <laughs> Um, this is a guy who's, uh, in a, in, in, in a, in a good person in an impossible position and they got to try to like survive and it is man versus nature, but very man versus man where this is all, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of man versus man, but it's essentially alpha versus beta and the beta gets put in its place. And yeah, know, and the, that, the that's like rolling. two minutes of the movie. That's, that's not a right. significant part of it. Yeah. Then he becomes like part of the pack and the movie mm-hmm. keeps So I think that's inherently more compelling. But this is a lot more philosophical, I guess. And I, I like that. It um, is. Yeah. If, if I had anyway, been attuned to what it was doing philosophically, I probably would like this movie a lot more. Uh, that's what we thought about The Grey. I hope you liked this uh, look at to, into another prestige film. Uh, we'll be back next week with another one. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.